You're listening to your Dental Top 5 podcast with Amanda Hill, informing you on the top trends in dentistry every Thursday. Brought to you by the creators of A Tale of Two Hygienists podcast. And now, here's your host, Amanda Hill. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Your Dental Top 5, where we take trending topics in dentistry and break them down into five usable highlights that you can take back to your op, your life, or just look smarter at your next dinner party. I'm your host, Amanda Hill. So today we are rounding out the celebration of a month. A month? Wait, it's the middle of the month. Yes, Mm -hmm. we are celebrating Hispanic Awareness Month. Heritage Month. I think that's Heritage Month. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, Hispanic Heritage Month. And I brought on an expert because I always do. I have brought on the Latina RDH, Amber Lovados. Amber, thank you so much for coming on today and helping us learn all about this month. Yeah, thank you for having me and thank you for celebrating our month with us. So yes, our month starts is from September 15th to October 15th. This is not part of my top five but I often get asked, like, why um, does it start middle of the month? Why do you get two months? We Well, it starts because in September and October is when a lot of our independence happened for our countries, like Mexico, Nicaragua, Honduras. I think Honduras, Guatemala, um, there's all, like three of them are on like the same day, and that's September 15th. And then September 17th is Mexico's Independence Day when we all were freed from the Spaniards. So that's why, it's because that's the beginning of the independence of our countries. That is fascinating because, of course, white American girl here thinks that it's Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> yes. Okay. I hear that a lot. Like, Cinco. Sorry. And people will say that to me. They'll be like, oh, are you celebrating Cinco de Mayo? I'm like, no, because I'm not from Puebla. Um, only people from Puebla celebrate Cinco de Mayo because Cinco de Mayo is um, when they won the Battle of Puebla. And if you're not from Puebla, then it's not. I'm Mexican, but I'm not from, it's like saying like, you would be celebrating Texas, whatever day, you know, like go Texan day. You wouldn't celebrate go Texan day. You're not from Texas, right? So why would I be celebrating as a Mexican? Yes, I'm a Mexican, but I'm not from that area. Why would I celebrate that particular holiday? So yeah, it's an Americanized holiday. It's not. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's an excuse to drink Corona and eat chips and salsa. You know, and I enjoy that too, though. I, mean- I enjoy that too. I can get behind that kind of thing. Yeah. So, okay. So today you're going to talk to us about the top five things to know about the Latin community. And I'm really excited about that because I think sometimes we don't take the time to know things like, why don't you celebrate Cinco de Mayo? Or even helping our patients feel comfortable in our operatories and helping them feel like they're welcome into our practices. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's an important topic because um, we are the largest minority ethnic minority group, so you're likely will have treated one of us. Um, so you know, culturally competent care leads to better care, um, and ethically, we should care about that, right? But if you don't care about that, you care about money, right? You care about bringing patients and case acceptance, and understanding your patients better will lead to more case acceptance. Um, so I think we are an important group to to talk about. I absolutely think so, too. So let's launch into our top yeah. five. So what is the number one thing that we should know about the Latin community? Okay, so I'm going to first tell you that we have many terms for us in the Latin community. Um, so my advice is to ask your patient what they identify as, okay? But the terms are Hispanic, Latino, and Latina, and we'll start off with those. Hispanic refers to somebody who comes from or is from a country or has heritage from a country that is Spanish speaking. 
So if you're from Spain, you're Hispanic. If you're from Mexico and we speak Spanish, I'm Hispanic. Um, although I personally don't prefer that term for other reasons, um, because some people feel like the term Hispanic kind of minimizes our indigenous heritage um, and puts the Spaniards, the people who colonized our countries, above us. So we, some of us, some people don't care, um, but some of us do care. And so we do not like the term Hispanic or I won't get offended, but for some countries like Brazil, they're not Hispanic because they don't speak Spanish. They speak Portuguese. And Haiti is also a Latin American country. They don't speak Spanish. They're not Hispanic. So they would be Latin or Latino, which is Latin American country. And for me, I'm Mexican. So I'm both Latina or Latino and Hispanic because my country, they speak Spanish and we're a Latin American country. Um, but Brazilians are only Latino because they don't speak Spanish, so they're not Hispanic. And Spaniards are only Hispanic. They're not Latino because they're from Spain. They're in Europe. They're not in Latin America. So <laughs> That's fascinating. And so really asking that question and, and getting and, you know, and charting that down in, in your notes and your patient notes really helps your patient feel maybe seen or heard or accepted that you're taking the time to get to know them. Yeah. And so... And so, like, like I said, I'm both Latino and Latina um, and Hispanic, but I prefer the term Latino and Latina, which will take us to, so Latino refers to a group of people. Latina refers to a female, it's, it's, a, it's a feminine. A Latino is masculine. So if you have, let's say, 100 women, uh, and then you have, there's, there's those Latinas, but if you add a man, just one man to these 100 women, now they become Latino. Um, which, you know, as feminists, we don't like that. We, we don't like that so much. No, no, there's a lot of feminist issues I have with that. We'll, we'll, just, yeah. we'll just scroll um, on. No, no, let's not, right? Let's, so there is a lot of uh, machismo, misogyny in the Latin community. I love, love, love my, my community and my heritage, but we do have a lot of like these issues. Um, and so to address those issues, they started using the term Latin at, like an at sign, um, it's to make it like equal. It's not either an A or an O, it's an at, which doesn't really translate well, right? Because you're like Latin at, I'm not a Latin at. So personally, I don't take offense to the term Latino or Latina um, because it's what I grew up um, calling myself and something that I feel very connected to. But for those who maybe don't feel connected to the term Latino or Latina, because maybe they are not either male or female, they're non-gender conforming. Now they have the term Latinx, which was developed when they started crossing out the O or the A, Latinx. So it's a um, gender neutral term, Latinx. Um, what's important to know about that, though, is that it's only 3% of Hispanics actually identify as Latinx. So even if you are an LGBTQ plus person, I have a friend who is uh, a gay man from Mexico, born there, now lives here in the States, and he feels very strongly about the fact that he is Latino. Um, it is something that's very, very personal. It's your identity. Um, so while Latinx is a more, um, you know, a general term, um, an inclusive term, not everybody identifies as, as a Latinx um, I use the term Latinx. Um, usually I use the term Latin instead of neither Latino or Latina. I use the term Latinx because the term, my issue with the term Latinx is because it's a more Americanized term. You don't use X in Spanish. Some people, I mean, in indigenous languages you do, but in Spanish, 
we don't use X and it's not easy. And I asked my mom recently, I was like, ma, do you know what Latin X is or Latin X? And she was like, ¿Qué? what's that? Like, what is that? She doesn't know what that is. Our older patients won't know what that is. Um, so now there's a newer term called Latin E or Latin E, which is Latin, just the E at the end, which is, um, goes better with the Spanish language. So that is becoming more accepted, but it's not as well known. So I prefer the term Latin E over Latin X. Um, but again, I would say this is a very personal topic for people. Like there's a lot of emotions on sides where people identify as Latinx and people who identify as Latino or Latina. Um, I try to respect both sides, right? Because it is something that is your identity. And there are some people now who, for a lot of us who are either first, second, third generation here in the United States, um, we have this term that says, um, the saying that says, ni de aquí ni de allá. We're not either from here or from there. So you're not, you know, Mexican enough or Latino enough, Latina enough, Latinx enough to be from Latin America. And at the same time, you don't feel American enough sometimes. Um, and so then they don't identify as Latino or Latina because they don't feel like a, a true Latina. And so they now use the term Latinx, even if they aren't LGBTQ+. Um, so I know that's all sorts of complicated. Um, so I would, yeah, ask your patients what they identify as. A couple things I would say do not refer to them as is Spanish. I often hear like, oh, Spanish people. I'm not from Spain. <laughs> and if we're, and I think majority of the time we're talking about the Latino community, people who are from Latin America, not so much people who are coming from Europe who speak Spanish. We're talking, and so those, us, we are not Spanish. We are Latin, um, but we're not Spanish. That's somebody who's from Spain. Um, and Which we're not- the same way that I'm not English, even though I speak English. I'm yeah, not English. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly, exactly. And we're not all that Mexicans. We hear that a lot too. Like, oh, Mexicans. I'm like, no, we're not all Mexicans. Um, there are 20 different Latin American countries. Um, so Nicaragua, Honduras, Puerto Rico, Colombia, you know, um, Peru, Belize. We, there's a ton of countries, not just Mexico. So that's my, my number one. <laughs> all right. Well, what's number two? Number two is that we're not all tan. So one of the things, yeah, if you've seen me, if you know me, I am not tan. I am pretty light-complected. Um, so just like in the United States, we had Native Americans, we had Indigenous people. In Latin America, we had Indigenous people. And then we had people come and colonize us, right? So we had Europeans, light, lighter-skinned people. And those people also brought slaves with them. They brought Blacks with them. Just like the United States, they also did to Latin America, and so just like in the United States, you have light-skinned people, you have tan people, you have Afro people. We have Afro-Latinos. We have black people. Um, and we have light and dark and all. we have all the shades. There is no one way to look. Um, so when people tell me, like, you don't look like, you don't look Mexican. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. I just don't look at, like, the idea, the stereotype of what people think Mexicans look like or like a Latin person looks like. But I am very much Latina. I am very much Mexican. Both my parents were born in Mexico. So if I'm not that, then what am I? So saying those things, it's, it's offensive because you're taking then away my identity. Um, so yeah, we look a variety of different ways. We even have Asian people. Um, so yeah, we look, we look different. So the point is, do not assume. Do not assume, exactly. We need to, we need to be careful there. Yeah. All right, well, what's number three? Number three also goes with not assuming. Um, this, is, but this is related to our language. So not all of us speak Spanish. When dealing with a patient, I would ask them what, you, what their language they prefer to be, get their care in, right? 
personally, I prefer to receive my language, my care in English. Um, I am more fluent in English than I am in Spanish. Um, but a lot of times my kids' stuff will get flagged because my last name is Lobatos and they'll send me stuff in Spanish. And I'm like, no, like I speak Spanish, but I want to receive my, you know, my information in English. Um, and so it's important that both of my parents immigrated here around the same time. Um, I'm first generation and my dad and my mom have been here the same amount of time. My mom still doesn't speak English. Um, so she will receive her care in Spanish. My dad, on the other hand, prefers to receive his care in English. So although they are the same type of group of people, people who immigrated here, they're also very different, right? One prefers their care in English, one prefers their Spanish. So one, so don't assume what your patient prefers their care in. And sometimes I'll do that. Sometimes I'm so, most of my patients are Latin and Spanish speaking. And so I'll just, going throughout my day, just speaking Spanish. And then my patients start speaking to me in English. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's my fault. I absolutely should have asked and not assumed because you look a certain way that you speak Spanish. Um, and then on the flip side of that, just because somebody doesn't speak Spanish doesn't mean that they are less of a Latin person, um, does not mean that they are not good enough. We have this idea that if your Spanish isn't perfect, you're not a good enough Latino or Latina or Latinx. Um, and that's not, not true. Um, so for some of us, we speak, I speak Spanish, but my Spanish is not the proper Spanish. I didn't go to school to learn Spanish. That's a very, that's for me, maybe more a Spaniard Spanish. Mine is more a, a rancho from the ranch kind of Spanish, you know? Um, and my Spanish now is more of a Spanglish Spanish. So where I'll say half my sentences in English and half of them in Spanish. Um, and it's kind of what we've evolved to, those of us who are Latin and Latins in America. Um, and we love that part of it. That is our new language and that needs to be, become more accepted. Um, but Well, just to throw in a, a plug for your book, Smiles Por Vida, <laughs> oh, didn't yeah. you write that in Spanish and in Spanglish as well? Yes. So I have a children's dental book called Smiles Por Vida, which is exactly, it's Spanglish. So it's half the sentences in English, half of it's in Spanish. Uh, but then it's translated fully in Spanish. My book is a not-for-profit book. Um, so the reason that I created this book with my friend Maxine was because we do a lot of public health work, a lot of outreach work. And we were finding that the books that we found didn't look like our community, right? They looked like one color instead of the multitude of colors that we are. So our three characters are three different shades. Our language is in Spanglish instead of Spanish or fully in English. Um, and it talks about, you know, receiving dental care, Um in different settings. So ours is based in a school setting because it's what, it's what we do. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, what's number four? Okay. So while we have a lot of differences, um, we do have some similarities. We all have a really high sugar diet. Um, there are studies that say that we, it doesn't matter if you're from Mexico or Central America, um, we all have very high sugar uh, intake. So we'll likely will need some sort of nutritional counseling um, and education, um, which is really my number five, is how important education is in the Latin community. I, like I said, I primarily work with people in the Latin community. And a lot of times I'll say things like, oh, you have a cavity. But I can't just say that they have a cavity. I have to explain to them what a cavity is because for people like me who didn't go to the dentist until they were adults, um, we don't know what, what you mean by floss, right? I didn't know that floss was a thing until I was an adult. Um, and then providing them education and care in their language is important. Um, so hiring professionals who speak their language or hiring an interpreting service that can translate for you 
is important or learning some Spanish is important too. I started doing some Instagram reels. I'm not really big on the social media, but I started doing them, teaching people how to say like basic things in Spanish for dental care. Um, like how do you, like, do you have pain? Does it hurt? Or does it hurt? Um, and just simple things that your patients will appreciate you making an attempt. I wouldn't use um, their child to, to interpret for them. Um, we get that a lot, but the children don't know. Um, and as a child who went through that, who had to interpret for their parent, I know that I wasn't understanding. If adults can't understand like etiology of disease, how do you expect a child to understand that? That's not fair. And that's not what you would want for your care. You wouldn't want your child to, you know, explaining no. to you your care. You would want the healthcare professional, the dental professional educating you. Our patients, our community deserves that same care. Um, so education so important. If you need resources, uh, dentalcare.com um, partnered with the Hispanic Dental Association, and they have a guide on um, simple, like communicating conversational Spanish. It's free. Um, like I said, I do some videos on Instagram at the, at the Latina RDH. Um, there are some Spanish dental books that you can also buy. I would say though, don't get disheartened. Um, Spanish is different because we come from different countries. Um, we have different dialects. Like our English here in the States is not the same thing as it is in Europe. So same thing. All Latin countries aren't going to have the same. Heck, Texas and Virginia aren't the same English. <laughs> you're right. I'm just saying. You're right. You're right. Exactly. Um, I often get like made fun of because I say y'all and I'm like, oh, I forget that people don't, don't say that. <laughs> that is a, the best word is y'all. But yeah, so the same way. So sometimes like your patient might say, um, like for root canal in Mexicans, we'll say indodoncia, but um, other countries will say conducto. So there, there's just different terms and that's okay. They usually can, we can try and figure it out. But I think making an attempt to try to talk to them in their language is really important and taking the time to teach them and educate them. Um, your patients will appreciate that. You know, it's funny, last month, a couple weeks ago, I was interviewing you for a blog for Safco Dental Supply. And you said something that has not left my brain. In fact, I've mentioned it to numerous people. Okay. Is you talked about talking to adults and teaching them how to brush their teeth because we often assume that just because you're an adult, you understand basic home care because yeah. we understand basic home care. And so you're an adult. You should know these things, but that that not everyone does. And we need to kind of slow down and make sure that we're starting at the basics or at least figuring out where someone's baseline is before we dive in. Yeah, exactly. You know, so like I said, I didn't receive dental care until I was an adult. So I think that a lot of us who have resources as young children, you know, receive that education. And so then you think, oh, they were taught as children and they were taught as teenagers. Now they're adult, they make their own decisions. I don't need to tell them what to do. When the reality is that maybe they were never taught. I was never taught. My parents didn't know about the importance of brushing and flossing and all the other things um, because my parents grew up really poor and we were, I was also low income. We didn't have resources to go to the dentist. Um, and then you had these ideas that you only go to a dentist when you're in pain, right? Um, and then when I, they did take me to a dentist when I was in pain, we couldn't afford the care. So then we just went home and you just deal with the pain. Um, so yeah. And so then as an adult, I didn't know. Um, I think I also told you that I thought that um, dental care was for people, even as an adult, when I started working in dentistry, I thought that dental care was for people who had resources, people who you know, could afford dental care. I didn't think that there was a thing. I didn't know there was a thing as community dental care, which is what I do now, right? I work in public health. But I didn't learn that as, until I was a dental hygienist um, when I was in dental hygiene school. Uh, because throughout my entire life, 
it wasn't something that was in my community. Uh, today, I created a post um, on Instagram entitled Dental Resources, where I teach people how to find community clinics in their area. Um, because it's really important to provide your patients with resources. The idea that your patient's going to go off and get dental care for somebody else, they're, really, they're likely not going to. They're just not going to get care. If they can't afford it right. from they you. They probably worked up the courage to go to one office, then they got turned away, and then they're like, forget it, I'm done. Yeah, and it was overwhelming. So refer them to somebody who can help them, um, and maybe then they'll come back to you. You know, They'll appreciate that. They'll refer other people. When they can't afford the care, they'll then be able to trust you because you assisted them in that time versus them going home and not receiving any care and suffering the consequences of that. But yeah, education in all stages is important. I spend a lot of my time educating my patients. um, And sometimes even I make assumptions. You know, I tell the story of how I got my, when I was 15, my mom took me to Mexico to extract my permanent healthy canines, (laughs) my canines, because, because my cousin told her that the reason my teeth were so crooked was because I had too many teeth. And the solution to that was to take out some of my teeth. Um... And so I was telling the story to one of my patients and she's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's how that works. You know, that because you have too many teeth. And I was like, no, it's supposed to be a funny story. Not like, uh, you know, right. you revealing to me that, man, I haven't done a good job at educating you in all things. Um, so yeah, I, it's really important to educate our patients um, in all, all aspects, um, despite their age, throughout their life, um, educate them. Absolutely. Just like I like to educate everybody on clean dental, you know, water lines and um, yes. how ProEdge can help them. But yeah, I think that we, it's really important that we, that we don't assume and we slow our role and we take that time to, um, to, to, to just get to know our patients and, and figure out where their baseline is and start. Yeah. Well, let's review your top five. Okay. So the top five things to know about the Latin community. One is, uh, the difference between yeah. all the terms and that it's best to ask. Yes. Which term? Um, that uh, that there's different colors in the Latin community. <laughs> yes, all the colors. All the colors. That uh, not everybody speaks Spanish. Yeah. Uh, number four is that there are similarities, though, particularly when it comes to nutrition and sugar and, mm-hmm. and diet. And then number five, that education is so important. So let's yeah. figure out everyone's baseline and go from there. Well, Amber, thank you so much for coming on today. If people want to learn more about you or maybe they want to see your Instagram uh, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. I'm at the Latina RDH, T-H-E, Latina, L-A-T-I-N-A, R-D-H. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I'm not as active on Facebook. Um, you can also email me at amlovatos, L-O-V-A-T-O-S, at gmail.com. Um, I have a website called dentalhygienespark.com where you can see um, where I'm speaking, what I'm doing, my book is available on Amazon. It's called Smiles Por Vida. It is not for profit. So the money that we make off this book goes to providing care to low-income communities um, for us to buy, you know, supplies and things so we can serve people. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on to help us finish celebrating um, Hispanic Heritage Month. Is that what we called it? Yeah, we can call it. Yes. I'm, so I'm starting to call it Latin Heritage Month instead of Hispanic Heritage like Month, but I will not be offended and most people will not be offended if you call it Hispanic Heritage Month. Amanda, I want to thank you because you like were so welcoming and I asked you if I could be on and talk about this and you were receptive to the idea. So I, I appreciate that. Absolutely. I'm all for celebrating everyone. I think that's super important. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we all know that only four out of five dentists could agree. So if you have something to add to this top five, or you have an idea for a whole nother top five, email me at amandahillrdh at gmail.com, and we'll be sure to include your dental top five. Make it a great day. 
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Your Dental Top 5. Be sure to join us next Thursday to hear more from Amanda.